What is your kind of hot take, if you will, on what is happening in the market right now? Nurses are starting to realize like, wait, who's who's looking out for me? What I think is coming around is nurses are realizing I've got to look out for myself. Work is not my life. My work supports my life. I've come to the opinion that more and more nurses should become travel nurses because that's the best place that they can advocate for themselves. The hospital has to keep making this worth my while to stay or else I'm going to go to a place that is going to make it worth my while to stay. I am back uh, in the studio on uh, Behind the Scrubs, and today I am with uh, Zach Smith, uh, an RN, uh, entrepreneur, uh, content creator, and um, I'm uh, super pumped to have you, and I really appreciate you coming on today, Zach, and you know, welcome to the show, and, and tell us a little, just a little bit more about you, know, you your, your credentials, and, and your background. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Justin. Excited to talk to you and talk to some of your listeners as well. So I am one of the founding members of NurseGrid, which is uh, a free mobile app for nurses, helps you manage your schedules. Uh, and connect with colleagues. Uh, prior to that, I worked as a bedside nurse for about uh, six or seven years uh, and worked in all, everything from uh, adult med surge to pediatrics. Uh, I started off in long-term care because I graduated during the Great Recession and there was no jobs for new grads when I graduated. So um, did that for a year and that was great experience. So really got a really a good breadth of experience working clinical bedside uh, nursing work and got to see you know, a lot of those challenges up uh, up close, face to face, and have tried to take those challenges that I experienced and that I hear from uh, from my, my friends who are all uh, nurses themselves and a community of nurses that I'm involved in, and try to apply that forward to solutions and companies that um, I engage with uh, in my business career now that I'm uh, post bedside. That's awesome. I love that you used the term uh, the Great Recession because I I use that. I rem- I remember those days uh, very very clearly. It was wild wild times, especially in the in the nursing world and and travel nursing specifically. But um, I appreciate well, that. And, it yeah. was it was wild. I mean, when when I remember going to the s- semester before I was going to graduate, their pinning ceremony, and they would call out where you, these people had jobs because back then everyone had a job before they even graduated. And I don't know what it is like today. But I imagine it's probably similar to that if if the nurses if the students want that. Uh, and then so it was probably like about a hundred out of the hundred and five students had jobs lined up. And then six months later, when my class was graduating. Five out of the 105 students had jobs uh, lined up, wow. and it just that recession just hit, and uh, it was it was hard for a lot of the newer the new grad um, nursing students to get jobs because we're expensive to train, we're cheaper to have on the on the books, you know, in those first few years after the training, but the training is really expensive. It takes six months sometimes to do those, those new grad orientation programs. So, uh, in that time, hospitals were looking to cut budgets. Um, if that sounds familiar. Yes, and, it uh, does. And, and, uh, was, was hard on the, the new grad nurses. So it was always like, I, I want experience. I just, I'm trying to get those six months experience if anyone will hire me, but, um, no, like in, in my experience that parallels, uh, yours as far as the, the new grads and getting hired in the, and really the drastic uh, cliff, if you will, of the jobs declining is I remember in 2008 at the, 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 the healthcare startup that I was helping build at that time, we probably had, you know, I think maybe like 
the high teens, like just under 2,000 open travel jobs, like in the summer, fall uh, peaking of 2008. Um, and then in January of 2009, we I remember we literally went down to 13 open travel jobs because they just oh, cut geez. hospitals would not, we're not, we're not going to hire the contract nurses either. And we actually had to, it was crazy. Um, I won't, I won't uh, get us too uh, far off on this, but is we literally, the way that company we survived, because there was really just four of us after that that really you know hit 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 us really hard as an organization there was really only four of us left and we had to pivot to per diem because the hospitals were not were not hiring the the travel nurses the contractors but because they didn't want to commit to those those contracts and that money and so what we we did and how we survived as an organization is we pivoted into per diem because they would hire per diem nurses because you know they're just committing to one shift at a time so that, that's ultimately how we survived the great recession yeah when i and i would love to get into some of that too because i think you know we're heading into elements of that now, right? Where hospitals are looking for more flexible opportunities as well as the nurses themselves. So, um, yeah. you know, what goes around comes around apparently. Yeah. Well, let's dive into it. Cause honestly, that is literally one of my favorite things to talk about right now that I'm like so fascinated by it. Plus as we're, we're building and growing our, our company and, and we're really leaning into like, you know, the digital transformation and what, and like the gig economy that really is upon us in yeah. healthcare. Right. Um, and yeah. the gig worker today is a, tr is, you know, uh, or in the gig worker of the future in healthcare is going to be, is the travel nurse and per diem nurse. I think, I think I'm curious, you tell me what you, I want to really want to know your thoughts. Cause I think the travel nurse and per diem nurse is is going to kind of merge into the gig worker for healthcare and you know in nursing specifically. Yeah, I think there's a few different ways that the market can head. Um, obviously, we're seeing a ton of venture capitalist money being thrown into this particular marketplace. Um, so it's where a lot of uh, people are putting their money behind and and see this as the future. Uh, I studied this pretty closely when I was at Nurse Grid in my last year because we were we were considering doing this uh, pre acquisition before we were acquired. At the time, we were looking at um, how can we get into the space because we saw it coming. Uh, our, our founder Joe Novello, he uh, it was always sort of on his mind from when he started the company. You know, ten years before that, um, he knew that this was coming, and so we looked at it because we had all these nurses who are using our technology, and we're like, can't we connect them to like sort of single shift job opportunities? And I think technology is sort of the key differentiator in that where technology finally got to the place where like, okay, we can make this happen. We can connect facilities with nurses in the area who are looking for opportunities. Where I think it's interesting is that the markets clearly uh, is, is picking up in this space. We've only really seen traction uh, in the post-acute care uh, setting. So the IntelliCare Connect RNs. Uh, I think Snap Nurse has done a similar something like this, and they, uh, but they're like in you know, a lot of times like clinics and things like that, like vaccine clinics and, and whatnot. Uh, it hasn't yet fully broke through in the uh, in the acute care space, and there's a number of reasons. One being that hospitals obviously are uh, uh, they they struggle to evolve, <laughs> to put it nicely, and and change, and it's really complicated to onboard a nurse, and you have to have these nurses sort of onboarded at multiple facilities in order for it to work. Uh, and then, so then the technology has to be there and then you have to have the right amount of, of supply and demand. So the right amount of shifts for the right amount of nurses in order for this to work. Cause you would hate to have a system like this where there's not enough nurses uh, to pick up the shifts or vice versa, not enough shifts for all the nurses out there. There has to be a right balance of both. And I think the market is heading in that direction. Uh, what's going to happen next is how do we how do we get the nurses to understand this opportunity and get them on board? 
Yeah, I know 100%. And, you know, uh, Snap, Snap Nurse, they grew, they're over a, over like a billion yeah. now because they grew yeah. so much through the pandemic. Another, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Gale. Um, they're, they're, they're doing it in the acute care setting and heavy on yeah. the, on the per diem through their, their platform. But um, I was just reading this a few weeks ago, but um, the, the, a, a stat came out that like Gale, Snap Nurse, et cetera, um, the companies that are doing, doing that trusted, if you will, are using a, a, a platform uh, to connect you know clinicians with jobs essentially um it they into 2021 they had grown in a, and basically taken over 22 percent of the entire healthcare staffing market in 2021 so it's it, it's it's gaining momentum it's gaining traction yeah well obviously you know we've we've hit some pretty wild years for the travel market here uh, uh heading through the pandemic and so there was a massive expansion and i think a lot of people try to hop in and and see if they can help uh, connect nurses to opportunities. Um, and so it's still, I think the market's still kind of figuring out where it's at right now and where it goes, but it's clear that travel nursing is um, is here to stay. And I don't think we're gonna go back to the numbers we saw pre-pandemic. What is your t- kind of hot take, if you will, on what is happening in the market right now? I think, you know, the nursing market's sort of a microcosm of what's happening broadly in just our culture. Uh, you know, we see it with teachers and, and things like this too, where um, where a lot of people are getting pretty fed up with their employers and they're starting to realize that they have to look out for themselves because their employers aren't gonna look out for them. Uh, you know, the Redonda Vot case comes to mind, right? Where, you know, you think you have protection with your employer, you're put in really challenging and oftentimes unsafe situations as a nurse. Um, and then you don't have the backing of your facility to uh, protect you when, uh, you know, the inevitable mistake happens. And unfortunately, a really critical one in the Redondavak case. Uh, and so nurses are starting to realize like, wait, who's who's looking out for me? And what I think is coming around is nurses are realizing I've got to look out for myself. And work is not my life. My work supports my life. And so what, what are the things that I can do? And so I've come full circle on this. You know, I believe that, I believe that, you need a good mix of you need a healthy amount of permanent nurses at a hospital with a with a little bit of a travel mixed in in order to have like that nice balance and get good chemistry and, and teamwork and and continuity of care and all that good stuff um but i've come to the opinion that more and more nurses should become travel nurses because that's the best place that they can advocate for themselves um, a hospital is essentially reapplying to you every 13 weeks um, you know, if they're trying to re-up a contract. And so that puts you as the nurse in a position of the hospital has to keep making this worth my while to stay, or else I'm going to go to a place that is going to make it worth my while to stay. And it's not always money. I mean, it's oftentimes money, but, um, it's, it's about what's the workplace, what's, what's it, what it's like working in this particular facility or on this, on this department, what are the patients like, what's the staffing, like all these sort of things. And that plays into it as well. Um, but I, I feel like. Um, the travel market is the, the travel nursing market is, um, here to stay. And I'd like to see it grow even more than we saw it grow during the pandemic. I think we're seeing a little bit of a, of a, um, retreat back to the mean, but, um, I'd like to push this even higher. And so I'm looking at different ways in which I can be involved in helping encourage more nurses to go where they 
uh, have the best leverage uh, where they're able to advocate for themselves the best and ultimately create the best work-life balance that they can in their lives. Um, and I think that's in the travel nursing space. So uh, I'm fascinated. I know you you actually had a very thoughtful uh, post that kind of touched on a little bit what you're um what you're going over there and as far as like you know it's it's the culture it's the work environment it's for the nurses like they're they're feeling like they're being heard they're being seen they're being taken care of they're they're being appreciated and you can't you can't uh demonstrate that with chocolates right uh for example um <laughs> and so talk to me a little bit more about your perspective on what hospitals can do um you know what is the you know the tips that they can do because obviously it's clear on what not to do um yeah. is to to uh, foster a culture uh, where uh, whether it's a staff nurse or a travel nurse wants to stay there. There's sort of a few levels and layers to this. Um, and obviously at the at the top of this is is proper safe staffing levels. And so um, uh, I just have to say that because, you know, this is that is the core problem in nursing right now. And everything sort of uh, spawns out from that. Um, and so nurses feel like, okay, well, if we're going to be working in really terrible or, or unsafe or challenging situations, uh, not necessarily what I signed up for, then you need to start compensating me more appropriately for the amount of risk that I'm putting myself in and the challenge that I am. So those are the sort of the first two layers to this. But knowing that hospitals are always going to be reluctant to, um, to, uh, to change their staffing matrices. Um, and staff up and staff to more comfortable levels because just the sort of cost uh, dynamic of our healthcare system uh, is putting them in a challenging spot too. What I think that too often we've seen is that um, is that healthcare leaders and administrators inside of um, facilities uh, often go to sort of token chocolate gifts um as or, or pizza parties pizza right? party as the, yes as That's... the joke goes right yeah yeah and it's like okay sh you know sure like we're, we're nurses we make good money we can afford hershey kisses ourselves and it's not so it's not about the gift itself what nurses really want is they want to sit down with someone and and feel seen by them and not and, and to talk to them and be like this is what's happening to me on my unit um these are some of the improvements that i think we need to have and not to have sort of a, a defensive um uh, recipient of that information right because we know that reluctance bill well we can't we can't afford more nurses or we can't uh we can't afford to do that we don't have the money to do that. like okay well hold on like let's just let's just talk human to human here I don't, there's just this huge wall between the bedside caregivers and the administrators um, who aren't, um, who aren't providing that care. Why do you think that is the, the wall? Well, and it's, it's just, it seems to be like the divide is growing deeper and deeper. Um, I, so a few things, one, so it's been now, oh gosh, I don't know, like nine, ten, nine or 10 years since I've worked bedside myself. Um, and I can feel it's slipping to remember what it was really like working a short staff shift. I mean, it is hard. It is really hard. And, and the stress that, that you go through in that shift is, is unlike anything that I've ever experienced in the business world, right? Like stress for me in the business world now is like back-to-back -back meetings and, <laughs> oh, I've got too many things I have to submit. I can't do it all, yeah. you know, and it's like, <laughs> Yeah. Okay, but like now, now change meetings with patients getting you know their meds, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and you realize how different the dynamic is, and change, 
and change switching tabs and closing out of one Google Meet to join a Zoom invite to running from a patient room to another patient room. It's different. And I think the longer you're away from bedside, the the further you get from remembering what it's like to be in this position. And what we need is we need more empathy um, in the healthcare world. Obviously, that's what we do as nurses, right? We, we're empathetic caregivers who try to understand what the patients go through and apply care uh, appropriately. Um, and what we want is we want our administrators to have a similar look, uh, a similar viewpoint for how they care for us. And I think ultimately that means we have we have to have our voices and our opinions heard. And it's not meaningless committees that ultimately go nowhere. It's not little chocolate gifts uh, that that you know that don't do anything to have my voice heard. This has to be a real introspective look at how are we empowering our nurses in our system to make them feel like they have a voice and that their voice and their opinions are, are heated. Well, and it's and going back to like what you said about having that conversation sitting down and where the, the, the administrators are getting uh, defensive versus doing what you're saying is, 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 is deploying empathy. And one of the, for me, I, I believe what the first part of deploying empathy is actively listening, right? To the other human on the other side of that conversation, actively listen, because guess what? Most people don't actually listen, right? I mean, like, and that's just human nature. Most people are not listening. So if you can actively listen and you can acknowledge what they're feeling in the moment, then it can open up to, to a much bigger and healthier conversation and can lead to what, you know, we're, we're touching on to where people are, are starting to feel heard. And But, you know, at the end of the day, it has to be genuine, has to be authentic. Um, but just start with a little active listening and the empathy will, will quickly follow at the end of the day. One thing I'm curious, back to also to you mentioned or made me, you know, kind of think of as I was listening to you is that it's happening a lot um, in, in, in a lot of it is because of the pandemic exasperated, but with the nurses being burnt out, but where a lot of nurses are, are, are leaving bedside or they want to leave bedside care. Um, and some of that is there's, there's, you know, entrepreneurs like yourself, right. Um, that they, they want to pursue those passions. Uh, but that, that is something where it's, it's, it's a very real, challenge and i and i i only from what i hear see and who i talk to that that seems to be growing um where they're wanting to get out of bedside care which is just going to kind of make this dynamic uh worse i was just having this conversation with my wife i was recalling how i i i don't know very many nurses who want to be bedside anymore uh and i also don't think people realize that that sentiment is almost universal at this point um, the reason we became nurses, uh, is no longer, uh, it no longer feels like that's there. <laughs> it's no longer motivating, um, for, for a lot of nurses who are working in these conditions. I mean, the, the, the situation that bedside nurses and caregivers are in right now is a state of crisis. I've said it before, and, and I don't think that our responses, uh, to this current situation are large enough or are, um, urgent enough. Uh, the vast majority of nurses don't want to work bedside anymore. They're looking for other opportunities. You know, there's a lot of reasons they stay, but it's a good career, right? There, you can work, you can work three shifts a week and have four off, which is good. You can, the overtime pay is great. Um, you know, there's, there's oftentimes benefits if you're a perm nurse and, uh, you know, and, and you went to school for this. You paid a lot of money to get this degree. It's your skill set. That's, that's what you know how to do. And so I think nurses kind of feel like, well, what else am I going to do? And so 
they are looking for other opportunities. What can I do on my four days off? And that's and that's what I started was uh, one of the reasons why I became a nurse is because I knew I would have four days off every week that I could go start my own business. Um, and uh, and so I think everyone's sort of looking for those opportunities. What can I do? Maybe that's even in the nursing uh, field, uh, but isn't bedside anymore. And that's a problem that we really have to um, take seriously because uh, we need bedside caregivers. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. So uh, that's I think it's a good uh, good segue into your your entrepreneurial background um, and just your kind of your passion with that. There's some things I'm definitely curious to to uh, to talk through with you on that. And and I and for one, obviously, so you were one of the founders of of Nurse Grid, and so um, and then I think to uh, you even uh, started a bread business during the pandemic uh, that uh, grew wildly. Uh, and so um, what is that? You give it just I'm actually like also curious, like uh, for those that don't know much about Nurse uh, Grid, like how did how did you guys start that? What is it? How does it work? And just talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So so Joe uh, is was the founder of Nurse Grid. He um, sort of wrote up this business plan and and uh, asked me if I wanted to join the company uh, when we were sort of we hadn't raised any money. And uh, we were just sort of working off of this this concept and wanted to take it to market. And, and the whole idea was that um, we felt as bedside nurses ourselves that our voices weren't listened to. Right. It's a common theme here. This isn't this isn't new by any means. And in particular, in technology and hospitals, how many pieces of, of tech have you used that you've been like, who? Who the hell decided this was the right <laughs> it was solution? A good idea, yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> like has has the person who made this ever worked a shift in their lives? Um, you know, and the answer oftentimes is no. And I can now say, you know, having seen the other side of the curtain, like yeah, most of the people are not uh, caregivers, nor have they ever uh, have worked a shift in their life. They they try to bring people in, which is smart and good. Uh, but a lot of the core tech is not built with the end user in mind. It's, be- it's built for the buyer, the purchaser. And who's that? Well, it's these senior executives at hospitals, some of them clinical uh, folks, some of them non-clinical. Um, and so they are, they are rolling out and implementing solutions that nurses haven't reviewed or signed off or said they wanted or, or were even part of the development process. And so with that in mind, we set out to try to flip the script. We said... Uh, what can we do Could provide a free tool for nurses that would would enough people would use and it would grow and it would spread that they then we could go to hostels and we could say, look, you've got 100 nurses in your in this particular department who are using our technology. Wouldn't you like to roll out technology at your facility that your nurses actually love to use and have already said they love to use it? by evidence uh, of the uh, you know of the amount of people who are currently using it and they'd be like well no we've got chronos it's fine like everyone's using chronos and i'm like they're using it in that they have to use it they're going into chronos to look at their schedule and then they're immediately transferring it to a paper calendar or to iCal or google calendar uh, but paper cows, iCal, Google Cal, that was not a solution for a nurse. It wasn't designed for nurses. It was really hard to understand when you do and don't work. And so we set out to create a free calendar tool for nurses that was designed very, very specifically for the nurse mindset. And the second you log in and start to add shifts, you realize that a nurse designed this. And uh, so that's what we did. And we had a lot of success. We We benefited from uh, a, a lot of real strong network effects. The app's better as more people are on it, so they're sharing it. We had you know millions of downloads to date. 
um, of nurses who have downloaded it in the United States. Um, and then we would we connected that to a paid platform that we would sell to hospital departments where they could push out a schedule, approve or deny swap requests, um, send out open shifts that would show up directly in your app. But the whole idea was let's create a free tool for nurses that they actually love, that they actually want to use. And um, the amount of downloads that we got was proof that we hit the nail on the head. Sounds like it. Uh, well, well, congrats. Uh, you know, it sounds like uh, you guys crushed it. And part of your guys' concept reminds me of what MedVenture is doing right now. There, They had a free app for nurses. It's obviously not solving the scheduling problem that you guys were, were solving, uh, a huge pain point for, for nurses, but it is solving for healthcare traveling professionals as a whole. One of the biggest, uh, uh, you know, uh, not problems, but the feeling of isolation when they go to a new assignment, a new location, they don't know anyone, mm-hmm. they don't have any friends, et cetera. And they, they have that they're really feeling isolated. So it's bringing the community together. But I mean, that's really, I mean, that's, that's part of exactly what, what they're doing. So, uh, makes sense. So the pro tip for all those aspiring nurse entrepreneurs that are going to listen to this is is start in something that solves a pain point for free, uh, for the nurses first and, and then, uh, go from there. Yeah. It's called a loss leader, right? So, um, we developed this app, we pay we had to fundraise. We raised uh, money to do this. Uh, our our seed round was about $1.1 million. And that took about a year for us to fundraise while we were building the app. Uh, and so you invest all this money into building a free app uh, that then you just give away. And that's not a good business model unless there's sort of a paid end to it, right? Are you going to, um, to do ads on it? Uh, we didn't want to do ads. Oh, well, you know, we wanted to sell our other our other applications. So it was a loss leader, right? It it was a loss for us up front, but it provided a lead for us to gain revenue down the road. So you can't always just create free tools without an idea of how you're gonna monetize it. At some point you have to have at least that plan in your mind. Um, but you know, ultimately we were acquired um not necessarily for uh our scheduling technology that we sold to hospitals. Um, predominantly we were acquired for the massive network of nurses that we had on our platform. So the, the nurses that weren't, weren't generating any direct revenue for us was ultimately the ones that, uh, a lot of companies were interested in acquiring us for. Got it. So who uh, ended up acquiring you guys? Healthstream. Healthstream. Okay. Got it. Well, yeah. so what's the, what's the future for nurse grade? And I know you're, you're, or I guess maybe explain what your involvement is now. You're just a more of a strategic advisor. Um, so what is like, what is your involvement today with nurse grade and what is the, the future look like? Yeah. You know, acquisitions, uh, acquisition events are, are interesting. This is the first one that I had been through. Um, and so you're transferring ownership, you know, new CEOs and leaders and visions and all that sort of stuff. But, um, Hellstream was committed to, uh, maintaining the brand nurse grid. We have a lot of brand loyalty, a lot of product loyalty. Um, they didn't want to change that. They weren't going to all of a sudden, you know, they didn't have plans to like, you know, charge for the app and and make it not free, uh, you know, for the features that they were using. Uh, so that, uh, Hellstream was really committed to that. And that was important to us that we were selling to people who cared about nurses, valued nurses, and wanted to see the app grow and not just sort of get it absolved into something else. Uh, and so I remained with a strategic advisor with them until earlier this year, um, just to sort of help them with that transition and uh, provide the insights that I knew uh, that I had from from uh, my involvement in bedside nurse communities. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think they look to keep seeing it grow, right? Oh, keep seeing those active user base uh, grow. 
um, add new features to it and continue to provide value for free to nurses um, because it's still such a service uh, to so many. So I know they want to do that. And I think they have some some other plans as well that with cool technology that they're building. Um, but uh, the the mobile app itself will will still be out there and free and, and uh, you know, be a resource to nurses. Going back to kind of the early days is like what was like one of the biggest challenges you guys had with Nurse Grid and growing your active user base and getting people to adopt and getting nurses on the platform or on the app rather. Uh, so what was like one of the biggest challenges? And then I, a follow up to that is I know of talking, you know, with, you know, a lot of a lot of the nurses in in the community you know this year like or just it's a it's a it's a trending general consensus they're like oh man not another app i don't want to download mm -hmm. another app um yep. so i'm curious your your thoughts on on that as well as and how people can you know get nurses to download another app yeah so answer your first question you know one of the biggest challenges was uh that early development of our mvp you know that sort of first product that minimum product that you want to get out um, out the door. You don't want to build the biggest app that has all the features that you want. You want to build the app that that um, provides the core value. And for us, that was entering and seeing your schedule um, and, uh, and being able to connect with colleagues. Because when you connect with colleagues and you can see who you work with, um, you can see their schedule, things like that. Uh, but, you know, we had challenges. We, we worked with one development agency um, out of the Bay Area and ultimately ended up switching to an agency that was that was close home and and that was a costly uh switch that we had to make but it was the right one to make um and then ultimately once we got the mvp out we were uh, started to build out our core team and adding designers and engineers and, and folks like that to um to continue to grow the product out from that sort of initial state um so i was head of uh you know a lot of our growth and in, in marketing early on and um this was back when this is going to sound so so long ago for, for people, but like, you remember like F Facebook ads, you, you know, the install ads for apps wasn't always a thing. And I remember seeing that and I was like, Hey, that's pretty cool. You can just tap a button and it installs the app right away. So, you know, as a marketer, the least amount of clicks that you can get from them converting is, is better. Yep. Uh, that's why when you're like on Amazon now, it's like one stop you know, one click and you like purchased yeah. a product. Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy. Yeah. Uh, and so Facebook did that with yeah. app uh, installs as ads. And I saw that. And so I, um, I put our app on there when we were just started and we had, you know, uh, thousands, thousands of downloads within those first few months and investors saw that and they're like, Hey, they're onto something really great. Um, but a lot of it was just paid ads that got us out there. But what really let us grow was sort of our network effect. And so, um, the app is better as more people are on it. A lot of times when people are developing products, they always think like, it's such a good app, everyone's gonna wanna share it with their friends uh, because it's so good. But the way human nature works uh, is it's just, people um, don't always share technology and ideas just out of the goodness of their hearts. They they do it if there's sort of a, a benefit for themselves in it too. And in NurseGrid's case, you want more of your colleagues on because you want to see when you work with them, you want to be able to swap shifts with them, all those yeah. sort of things. And so we had that inherent value built into the app and that creates a network effect where now I invite two people and those people invite two people and then it kind of grows from there. Um, so that's uh, one of the key things. Now, you know, that can also apply to not another app, right? We've all been at hospitals when they're like, oh, and now we're going to start using this technology. And it doesn't even have to be an app. 
It just has to be like, now you need to use this. And you're like, you you roll your eyes before you even know what it is. Cause you're like, I have so many things I have to remember to do and use and it can get, you can get lost in all of it. But the difference with nurse grid was people wanted to use it and it came from nurses themselves, yep. right? When, when your boss tells you to, to use something, your reaction is probably going to be like, mm, okay, well, let's see what this is like. I don't feel super excited about it. But when your best friend tells you to use something, cause uh, you know, for X, Y, and Z, you're much more likely to be like, yeah, that's a value add to my life. I'm going to add that to my phone. Uh, but then again, this was also, you know, years ago when, when maybe, you know, I mean, there was still a lot of apps back then. Everyone wanted to create an app when we were doing it too. Uh, the market has shifted since then. Um, and apps are hard to produce too, you know, to actually develop and, and maintain. That's It's a costly venture now. Uh, compared to like you know just starting a website of sorts. Well, what do you think is like an like an op like continuing to look through the, the entrepreneurial lenses and specific mm -hmm. to like uh, technology and apps? Like, what is like a, uh, an opportunity that exists in the market today that uh, you know someone's missing out on or, or no one's really trying to solve? Well, so I'm looking myself right uh, because I'm hungry to develop uh, some more technology for nurses, and so. Uh, I am definitely kind of working on um, trying to come up with some concepts, but I've had a lot of conversations with agencies um, and and uh, other business leaders in, in the industry. And I tell them the same thing is that, uh, you know, like take a job board, for example, how do I get people to come to my job board? Well, people are going to come to your job board when they're looking for a job. Um, and so you're developing a product that is inherently about your company and that benefits your company, right? And what you need to look at is like, what is something that this user needs in their life? And can I develop something that will help this particular user so that um, then I can layer on a job board on top of that, right? Uh, because if your, if your core product offering is the is the sort of business model that you're trying to convert on you're not as likely to convert as many people rather than if you're offering them something that they don't have but they want that they need um, and then building out your sort of monetization aspects on top of that and so that's what i always say i just say start with the need and ask what is it that this consumer needs this person needs and then try to develop a solution around that instead of starting with your own solution uh, which is where I think a lot of people often often begin. So one thing that I know, again, being specific to the travel community is like one of the biggest needs is housing, right? That is one of the biggest mm -hmm. issues, pain points, if you will. And so people are trying to solve that, right? Um, and so what what do you what like? That's just one example. Like, what do you what do you think like nurses need right now most? You know, travel nurses. Uh, perm nurses, slightly different needs. Um, you know, travel nursing, certainly housing is, is one of those things. I think also onboarding, uh, is just such a pain in the butt for so many people. And it's like, you know, you take these skills tests and you upload your resume and they're like, great. Now can you enter your resume into this form? And then you do it in the form. They're like, okay, cool. Like now can you add your references? And you're like, well, the references is in the form. Like, okay, well, we need you to email it to us. <laughs> then, And then it's like, well, and then your, your ACLS credentials, can you get those? And we're like, well, that's on my resume. And it's like, it's like all these things are all over the place and, and these systems aren't talking to each other. Onboarding is just such a headache for travel nurses in particular. And the thing about it is, is 
it's also a, a pain for perm nurses if you've gone through the orientation process. And so I've always looked at that space and wondered, what is it What is it that this market needs? How can you make onboarding smoother? Because it's a time suck and time is money. And so, and obviously as a travel nurse, you're looking to retain, you want to retain those travel nurses. You want to make the system and the process as smooth as possible. The harder it is, the less likely they are to return to your agency. So what are you building for them to make this as seamless as possible? And inside of hospitals, how can I get this nurse trained, onboarded, and picking up shifts um, as soon as safely possible uh, and not wasting a bunch of time with them trying to dig through emails, figuring out when and where they work and what they need to bring and things. Well, and that's one thing too. I mean, yeah, the, just to add on to that real quick is the, the onboarding and credentialing, you know, that's, uh, that is a, 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 the struggle, uh, is, is definitely real. And, uh, like Kamana is a good example. They're trying to solve that universal application, universal credentialing, um, you know, issue. Uh, I think everybody wants that. It's just a matter of time. Um, I know there's another company that, you know, that I, uh, I know the, the, um, the founder of very well that they're working on like a universal portal, right? Similar. And so, uh, I think these technologies are, are going to, um, are going to happen and it's going to impact. It's just really a matter of timing. Like how, how, how quickly will this happen where this will become the norm where, uh, basically where, you as the nurse have complete control of your entire credentialing file digitally and then you choose who can access it who whoever your whatever one two three agencies or hospitals that you're working with can access it and you're not having to just repeat the steps every single time over and over and over and over um so what do you think just uh like as far as like when you, how how long until we're at that point it's it's got to happen soon there's there's a most of the new companies um, in the larger companies now in the healthcare staffing space are technology companies. And so um, integrations are key to this. They've, they've got to figure out a way to play together and share information together. Um, and uh, I think, you know, what we're talking about with the sort of gig economy coming, I think that's going to be the motivator to make this happen, right? Because we have to, this onboarding has to be quick, seamless and fast uh in order to get these nurses onboarded for single shifts and because they have to work a lot of shifts in order to make this sort of worthwhile for both parties um and uh and so uh, they're they're going to be forced into a position where they have to work with other companies in order to accept the package of you know credentials or or resume or whatever it might be onboarding materials um from them and then the other thing is just you know I've heard from so many travel nurses about just the drug tests and how annoying it is. Yeah. And, and sometimes if you're in a rural place and you could like drive really far to go get it. Yeah. Um, and, and I always just wonder like, is something going to happen there? Are we going to like all of a sudden, you know, like come to a realization that maybe these aren't as necessary as, as we need every three months to like have someone again, pee into a cup to make sure that, like they didn't smoke pot or something. It's yeah. like weird. Yeah. Uh, weird system. But, you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Yeah. What about on that kind of not on the drug screen note, but uh, I hear you there. Uh, but like references is another thing is like references are just so two things on references. A, nurses are like my my references are getting badgered, right? Like then they're getting they're getting hounded. I have to keep giving them out every at every turn. 
and you know and obviously you're going to give you're going to give uh references that will are going to speak favorably of you at the end of the day most nurses aren't going to give a, a reference name of somebody who's going to say hey they're a horrible human they're a horrible nurse etc cetera, etc cetera. um and it's just like and that is one of the the biggest delays um in the process of you know that from building that profile to getting submitted for for an opening that you're really interested in is references right even if, if you've uploaded everything and they have it it's like okay well, the reference still have to be collected and it's like man is is that necessary going forward going into the future especially going into the future of the gig economy yeah right and and so you look at why are we getting references well because i want to ensure that as a hospital i as a hiring manager want to ensure that the nurse that i'm bringing in is qualified and and able to now there's other ways to check for qualifications right well we can ensure that they have an active license that there's not any you know outstanding um you know fractions uh, uh, infractions thank yeah. you you know out there um so that's a good check but you know what are these what are these references doing you know that like are they really making you feel that much better i've hired a lot of people you know to, to nurse grid and references are great uh in order to learn who they are and how to work with them and stuff in the hospital especially in today's state of nursing like we just got to find someone we got to make sure that they're good enough and we got to plug them in <laughs> and that's i think where a lot of the, the the hospitals are and so i think it's a good point that you know maybe references aren't as necessary or maybe there's a way in order for us to say you know can we collect this information digitally and be like, okay, this works for this person's worked nine contracts now, and no one's ever had a complaint about them. It's that's good enough for me. Yeah, no, and I, for, you know, me personally, whether that's hiring and building in, uh, you know, people internally for my team and or or nurses back, you know, in my day when I was once a recruiter, is I value reference. I re- re- references were so valuable for the reasons you articulated, and just to confirm that this person was who ultimately they they say they are, and they're you know. Uh, they they align with um, what what has been represented to to this point, uh, so I do value them. However, I look to um, the obviously where we're headed, as we mentioned, but I also look at locum tenens, right? Locum tenens staffing references are not required to get hired, right? They they will collect them later down the road, but it's not part of that initial qualifying process for the agency, for the recruiter, the staffing company, and it's not it's not a requirement as part of the presentation, the submission, right, to get considered. So the references are not required up front like they are in in nursing or travel travel nurse staffing. Well, and it makes you wonder why, right? And we all know the credibility the the public credibility um uh, between doctors and nurses right like we hold doctors at such high esteem and it and is is that part of it right like that that no these are the 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 highest of integrity <laughs> you know uh people working in the hospital and so we don't need to check them but the nurses all of a sudden we've got to like make sure that we check every nook and cranny of their of their past history to ensure they're good enough to work here i don't know what the answer is but it's it does seem weird that one would be asked and the other wouldn't yeah and i just think i'm just i've just been kind of like questioning is that going to go away you know as we continue to move into you know the 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 gig world in healthcare um or at least is it going to go away as far as an upfront requirement because it slows down the process and 
again. So I don't know. I'm, it's just fascinating to to, to think yeah. about that. Yeah, that's a good, yeah. interesting thought. Yeah. Uh, well, so what's uh, before before I let you go here, my man? Um, I, I'm curious. We haven't touched too much on it, but obviously you're you you have. Uh, an extensive background in you, you marketing and, and content creation. You co-wrote recently. I think that's how you and I initially, are, I reached out to you on LinkedIn because I saw the uh, the video commercial you co-wrote and directed. Um, and so like what what's going on in that uh, aspect of your life with content creation and, and marketing and like any any exciting projects you're working on or that are coming up in the, in the future? Whatever I do, it's going to be in the nursing space. Uh, because nurses need as much help as possible right now, and they need as many advocates as they possibly uh, can have. I'm fighting for them, and and that's what I want to do. I want to be out there. I want to keep making sure that I that I advocate on behalf of them, and ultimately, in, in building and developing products and companies for nurses. That's I, I'm a startup entrepreneur, I'm, so I'm always involved in startups. It's what I love. Um, I love marketing, uh, and feel like I've done a decent job at. Uh, figuring out a way to market to nurses that's not patronizing uh, and actually is is fun and engaging and makes people want to be a part of your company. And so I'm looking at taking all that experience that I've built over the years and and applying it to my own organization. And uh, and so definitely looking at the travel space right now, um, considering some uh, some uh, a mix of sort of marketing resources and, and product uh, to uh, bring a solution to the travel nursing market that uh, can help empower travel nurses and bring more uh, bring more travel nurses into the space. Um, because, uh, like I said, I think this is where nurses have the most leverage. Uh, and if they, if you can make it work for your life, or if you can see, like someone like myself, uh, I've got, you know, uh, my wife's a nurse. We have two kids. One of them's in school, uh, school aged. And, uh, you know, we are not candidates for, for traditional travel nursing. Yeah. Uh, but my, my wife, who uh, uh, labor and delivery nurse for 13 years, worked at the same facility for nine years, just a few months ago, quit her job and picked up a travel contract for the first time. It's about an hour and a half away. She's working 312s and yep. um, coming back on some other days off. If we can do it, other nurses can do it because we are ideal candidates not to travel with the sort of, yeah. you know, roots that we have embedded here uh, in our home and, and community. Uh, but it was right for our family. And I think it's going to be right for a lot of other nurses. And ultimately, um, she's found that uh, we're, we're going to take a, a vacation for the first time in a long time, right? Uh, Where are you guys going? She's, um, we don't know yet. No. But the fact that we can't, we can. <laughs> I mean, she, she, yeah. she asked for a travel, she asked for a vacation day at her, her last job. Um, it was like the first one she asked for in like a year and they denied her because there wasn't enough staffing. And then she's talking to this travel nurse who worked in our unit and she was like, oh yeah, I, I can, basically I get to pick my schedule and, um, I take off time in between contracts and the manager lets me, lets me choose everything. She has like half as much experience as my wife did and was making twice as much. It's like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're, we're trying it out and, and enjoying it so far. Uh, but I think more nurses should make this leap and try it out because, you know, really you can, uh, it, it just changes and shifts the dynamic and shifts the mindset of, uh, of, um, your career path. And so, 
um, that's where I look to make my influence and make my impact and uh, hoping to launch something early next year. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, uh, based on your, I guess your, your track record and just in getting to, to talk to you today, man, I, I'm sure you're, you're going to crush it, whatever you do next. Cause you, you clearly have been doing exactly that, uh, from the sound of it. So I appreciate you appreciate everything that you're doing for the, the nursing community and, uh, where can people, um, the, uh, connect with you online and get in touch with you if they just want to inquire whether it's 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 business startup entre- entrepreneurial related or it's marketing related consulting related nursing related all all of the above all the things that you're yeah. super passionate about and 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 that you want to help uh, make a positive impact on yeah you know i've uh, got a little community of of nurses that follow me on instagram and that oftentimes is the best place i do a lot of polls and questions and ask people it's like one way where i can kind of keep my my finger on the pulse of things but I uh, love sort of throwing out business ideas and talking to them there. So you can find my Instagram handle. It's at uh, WazuZach, so W-A-Z-Z-U-Z-A-C-H. Uh, and I answer all my DMs and things like that. And lots of times when I do polls and stuff, we keep it fun and light. And so I encourage everyone to to follow me there if they want and ask questions. And um, uh, lots of times from those DMs, I'll provide my email and then we can go back and forth and hop on meetings and talk. But I just love staying involved. Um, creating new things and uh, helping other nurses out there because, um, you know, nurses are in a really, really challenging spot right now. So um, a little outlet uh, never hurts. Yep. Awesome. Well, tremendous gratitude to you, my man. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, I really enjoyed our our conversation today and uh, I look forward to to, uh, connecting again here in the, the future. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it.